We are really blessed this morning to have Arthur uh, Menches, however you say that, uh, minister to us. And I tell you, you talk about needing your brain washed. We not only need our brain washed from all of the uh, stuff that people recognize as bad, but you know, the worst thing is religion. And religion has messed us all up. If it wasn't for religion, we'd be just fine. And we have been taught a lot of junk in the name of the Lord, and we need our brains washed. And Arthur is good at that. So I want to encourage you to open up your heart and receive from Arthur. He's a blessing. Love you, brother. Praise the Lord. Well, praise God. Brainwashed. Hallelujah. I tell you, that that was exactly what I was going to say when I was going to come up here, is that, you know, so many times we do, as Andrew just said, so many times we think it's our, our, our whole uh, restoring of our lives need to be just restored from the world. But I think some of the, the things we suffer with more as believers is the influence of religion and what religion has done uh, in our lives. Amen. I tell you what, I hate religion. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you for three of those amens there. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. I just hate religion because I tell you what. God is not about religion. Hallelujah. And so this morning we're going to look, and I want to talk to you this morning about Jesus restores our destructions. Turn with me in your Bibles here to uh, John chapter 16 and verse 33. I want to start there and uh, in verse 33 in the Amplified Bible, Paul writes, he says, I have told you these things. Uh, sorry, Jesus speaking, he said, uh, I have told you these things so that in me you may have perfect peace and confidence. You know, that's one of the things that we have to realize is that Jesus came for the purpose that you and I could have the perfect peace and confidence before God. He says, in the world you have tribulation, trials, distress, frustration, but be of good cheer I like the way he says it, take courage, be confident, certain, undaunted, for I have overcome the world. I have deprived it of the power to harm you and have conquered it for you. Hallelujah. Father, we just thank you this morning, Lord, as we come. Thank you, Lord, that truly we can have our minds renewed, our hearts established, And this morning, Jesus, I thank you that you will bring a peace and a confidence in our lives, each and every one of us. Lord, we are all men here, and Father, we have... We live in this world, we've experienced some of these things, and yes, in this world, we do suffer tribulations and trials and tests and failures, but I thank you, Jesus, that you have comforted us with the reality that you have overcome this world. Hallelujah, in Jesus' name. Praise God, amen. You know, so many believers today, uh, wherever I go, I, I see this and I'm always amazed at it, and that is that so many believers live unfulfilled, frustrated, uh, 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 you know, uncertain, and sometimes even destructive lives. And I see so many believers that, that just, that's where they live their lives all the time. And they seem to be in the spiral of destruction. And I believe that uh, most of that has to do with the fact that 
that we just have not refused to, but we have failed to believe some of the truths. There are two truths that I might be able to get to today, but very important. Two truths that the New Testament uh, brings out very, very profoundly. And I think the, uh, Andrew, uh, you know, last night started on this. Number one, the first thing that we want to know is, is that there's the New Testament talks about and reveals to us the unconditional acceptance and the love of God. Brothers and sisters, we got to... There's no sisters here. <laughs> I was just trying to see if there's an undercover one. No. <laughs> well, there's one. There's one at the back there. See, I was right. But <laughs> the simplest fact of the gospel shows us that every man, every woman, every child is infinitely loved, precious, and unconditionally loved by God. And I tell you something, when we start to understand that, the, this, the second thing that I think that we have failed to believe is to believe the, our true identity in Christ. That we, that we have been united with Christ as believers. You know, we, we're all believers here. And, I, and, and I'm sure that everyone here is, is a believer. And if you're not, then by the time this, uh, this session is over, I hope it's going to change for you. Amen? But we've got to understand is that, you know, we are united with Christ. And, and our true identity lies within Him. And that's for us to discover. Now, any time that uh, we are not aware of these two important Truths. Now, there are many other truths, but these two very important truths that I believe Jesus came to give us. You know, he's, the Bible speaks about him as Emmanuel, God with us. You know, we, we could not get to God, but God came to us. And he came to us to bring us these truths. And any time that we find ourselves in a place where we are unaware of the unconditional love of God. And I think, you know, when, when Andrew is going to be ministering on, on love. And, and I tell you what, when he started ministering on love last night, it's like, I was like, oh man, that, I want to preach on that stuff too, you know. Because it is just so good to understand. You know, First John really talks about the fact that if you are experiencing God's love, then these certain things will be manifest in your life. Amen? And, you know, one of the things that I've realized is that, as Andrew was saying last night, is that we're all looking to see the outworking of our faith and the outworking of our relationship with Jesus. But I've realized that good works or keeping the law or whatever you want to call it, living and experiencing what God has for us becomes effortless as long as I stay under the unconditional love of God and, and stay aware of the unconditional love of God. Aware to the place where I'm experiencing that love. You see, it's one thing to know. The, 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 the word used there for know is the word noskos. It's not just a knowledge of, but it's an experiential knowledge. It is to actually know by experience. Now, any time that we are not aware and we are not experiencing the love of God, and we, it's hard for us to understand that we have been united with Christ. And what happens to many of us is, is that we find it hard and difficult to understand and know that God is willing and able to restore our destructions. Amen. Amen. Boy, I'll tell you something, when we, you know, in, in, in most Christian circles, when a person comes to know the Lord, 
we trust and expect that God will forgive that person and that God's forgiveness will be for them and that God will restore them spiritually, emotionally, and physically. But because of what religion has done and the way we've had relationship with God based upon a mixed gospel of Old Testament truth and New Testament truth, what happens to many of us is that uh, when it comes to making mistakes, uh, failing, committing sin, after that we have become a believer, when we've, we've, after we've got to know the Lord, for the most part, we believe that God might forgive you. But he's not going to help you because you were supposed to know better. Amen. Boy, it's quiet here. Hallelujah. And so what we do is that we believe that God might forgive you, and, 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 but he, he definitely will not restore your life, and he's going to kind of leave you to reap the consequences. Now, please understand, I'm not saying that sin doesn't have consequences. It has consequences. But the reality of it all is today, and I want to really bring this across to you, we have this mentality that God looks at us, and as Andrew was saying, and treats us according to how we perform, and when we've not performed as believers especially. Now, you know, an unbeliever coming to another Lord, yeah, God will take care of all of that. But when you're a believer, and you're supposed to know what is going on, and you, and you fail, and you make mistakes, and you sin, or you, I know that none of you have ever done that, but, but you know, <clears throat> but for those of us that have been here, and we've, we have failed, come on now, we think that, you know, well, well God's going to have that old mentality of, you've made your bed, now you lie in your bed, and I'm not going to, don't expect God now to come and help you, you, sh- you knew better. You know, at best, what we will believe is that we will believe that God might forgive me if I will show forth and show God that I've actually repented and that I've changed my ways and that I've, I've, I've got my, and I've pulled up my socks and I've really got things together and maybe, maybe God will forgive me. And so what we do is we keep on living frustrated lives and we, we allow the devil just to walk right over us and allow our lives to spiral out of control because we kind of think that that's just what God, that's now the consequences, and I'm just going to have to live with that. I'm like a second-class citizen. You know, as I said earlier, I, I'm not trying to say here that sin doesn't have consequences. Listen, I understand better than anybody else, sin kills. Amen. So don't go away here saying, Arthur says it's okay, you know, God will just... No, sin kills. I'm not talking about that. But what I am saying is that if we are going to believe that God is the one that will leave us in our, in our destructions because we were just supposed to know better and he's not willing and he's not able to heal and redeem our destructions, then what happens is to many of us, and this is where many, many believers are, is that... God becomes uh, unapproachable, and he's he's, he's not approachable anymore. His promises are now not unconditional, but conditional. 
And so none of us then will go to the Lord. We will we'll go to the Lord and we'll, we'll go with our religious ways of worshiping the Lord and we'll come to the men's advance and we'll lift up our hands. We'll turn on the tears. We'll be all sorrowful. But we won't be turning to God to say, Lord, yes, I'm, I messed up, but I know that you can restore my mess. Amen. Man, I tell you something, we've got to realize this. <laughs> you know, maybe you here today and, and maybe you haven't lost hope. I think that that's where so many believers live. They just lose hope. They don't even have a confident expectation anymore that God is on their side. And so they just go through the motions, hoping that if they stay in church, and if they stay faithful, and if they stay giving their tithe, and if, that maybe, maybe that God will have some compassion upon them. Man, we don't understand the love of God. We have failed to actually understand and know and believe. You know, it's one thing to know. It's another thing to believe. We need to believe the love of God for us. And if we do believe the love of God, we have to realize. You might be here today. Maybe you haven't lost hope yet. But maybe, maybe you're at a place today where you're looking and saying, you know, I messed up. And I seem to mess up all the time. Well, let me just say this. Welcome to the club. Boy, I tell you what, you know, one of the things that we have to realize is that so many times because of what religion has, has brought us to believe, so many of us live behind a mask and we can't really be real. And, and so we live behind this, this facade of trying to live up to the standards that we think either God wants or what other people want for us. Turn with me to, in your Bibles there to Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13. The first thing I would draw your attention to is this, this, and that is that God is still the same. That means God does not change his view, his opinion, and he doesn't change his love towards you just because you're messing up. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 13 verse 8 says, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, is always the same yesterday, today, yes, and forever to the ages. Then verse 9 says, Do not be carried about by different and varied and alien teachings, for it is good for the heart to be established, ennobled, and strengthened by means of grace, God's favor and spiritual blessing. Hallelujah. You know, I, I really just want to encourage you that yet many times what happens to us is that we allow, when we go through times where we struggle, times in which we, we fail, times in which things are not working out the way we want them to work out, we allow those circumstances, situations, to actually teach us an alien doctrine about God. And so he says, don't allow yourself to be carried away by these strange and alien teachings. Don't allow the things that are going on. And let me put it this way, and, I, and this is really what I want to focus on this, uh, this morning, and that is don't allow your weaknesses and your failures to teach you something about God that's not true. Amen. 
You know, the Message Bible puts it this way. It says, don't be lured away from him or from God by the latest speculations about him. The grace of Jesus Christ or the grace of Christ is the only good ground for life. Hallelujah. See, listen, in a world that we live in, in this world, things happen. Anybody know about, you know, stuff happens in this world, right? We don't say it like the bumper sticker says it. Hallelujah. But, but, but stuff happens in this world. We make mistakes. We fail, all of us. And I know that, you know, some of you are sitting there as if you never fail. And, 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 and thank, we'll, we'll send Brother Dave over to pray for you. But <clears throat> the problem is, is that what happens is, even in this life that we live in right now, even though everything can go wrong, you can become distracted so easily and allow these things to teach you and tell you that God's not on your side. He won't restore your life. And in, when we do so, now here's, it's one thing to get distracted, but if you stay distracted, you will be derailed. Amen. Amen. If you stay distracted, you will be derailed. Now that word that we just read there, it says it is, uh, is good for us to be strengthened by grace. I believe that this morning God wants us, wants us to be strengthened by his grace, his love, his mercy, his goodness, his forgiveness, his ability, his strength to, to restore your life. Even if, even if, listen, and the problem is we, we can believe that God can restore our lives when other people have bring this, brought destruction. But our problem is, is when we have brought the destruction. Amen. You know, uh, Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10 says that we are the workmanship of Christ. Amen. And, and I went and I, I took that verse and the Lord just one day said to me, you go and you translate that and, and I want to speak to you through it. And this is what I came up with in the translation. So, you know, listen, if this is not theologically correct or anything like that, you know, I, this is what comes up. And I want to, this ministered to me. And this verse, really, Paul is saying, Jesus is the one who is the designer of your life. The one who made you. He holds the blueprints of your life. And he knows what you are made of. And he knows what you are made for. Hallelujah. You see, listen, I tell you, God wants to strengthen us. You know, David, turn with me there to Psalm 103. David, how many of you understand that David was a man who loved God? He was a man who was loved by God. But what is interesting about David is that if there's anybody that understood the love and the mercy and the grace and the forgiveness of God, David did. Because David made some huge mistakes. I mean, David had some, uh, some errors in his life and, and made some bad decisions. And I don't, I'm not going to get into all of that. But, and I understand that, that in Psalm 103, I now understand how David could write this. Because listen to what he says in Psalm 103, verse 1. He says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Ooh, hallelujah. So David comes in all of this. Yes, David. I mean, David was a man 
who was anointed, appointed by God, a, a man God had a purpose for, God had him, had him pegged when he was a little kid still. God knew that he, what he was going to do through that man's life. Yet David goes, he commits adultery, he lies, he, he uh, commits murder. I mean, he just messes up his life. And David can come and write and say, bless the Lord, oh my soul, and forget not all his benefits. He's saying, listen, there's benefits of knowing God. And I want to tell you today that one of the benefits of walking with God, one of the benefits of being a man and a woman, or uh, again, there's a woman at back there, being a man and a woman of God, and that, listen, is that number one, God is the restorer of your destructions. Hallelujah. Notice he says, who forgives all thine iniquities, who heals all your diseases. And verse 4 says, who redeems thy life from destruction. Now, you know, there's, there's two ways you can look at this verse. And in fact, this, this, uh, if you look at the original language, it's not necessarily just talking about the destructions that come upon you. It is talking about your destructions. The destructions that you have brought upon your own life by making bad choices. He says, God is the one who restores our destructions. I believe that what God wants us all to know here today, and that is that uh, I call it this way. And this, this came to me so profoundly many years ago as I was, uh, I was, I took a couple of weeks off. I was pastoring. Uh, in South Africa, and, and I, had, I had made so many mistakes up until that point that when I, I, I got alone with God, I can remember sitting on the beach uh, down in the Eastern Cape in South Africa, and I'm sitting on the beach, and I was having a party, a pity party, and I noticed that the only person that pitched up was me. And I'm sitting on the beach, and I tell you, I was just so discouraged, I was so heartbroken. Uh, so many of, of the decisions I had made, and, and they, it was varied. It was personal, it was ministry, it was all kinds of stuff. And I just realized, I sat there and I just started weeping and I started crying. And I just, I said to the Lord, I said, God, I said, I have messed up so bad. How am I ever going to fix this? And I'm telling you, I, I mean, I cried. I looked at it because I tell you what, I had, I had painted myself into a corner. Anybody ever paint yourself into a corner? Amen. And, and you just, it's like and every decision you make just gets you further into that corner. And I'm sitting there and I'm saying, God, how in the world do you have even a vision for my life when I am just so inadequate in this area? And as I sat there, it's amazing. Have you ever noticed how, how God speaks to you in a language that you know, that, that means something to you? And I'm, I'm sitting there and I, I'm, I'm, I'm literally, literally laying on the beach. It was like five o'clock in the afternoon. Sun was going down. And I'm laying on, and I just heard the Spirit of God just as gentle as anything. And he spoke to me and he said, Arthur, take a mulligan. <laughs> now, you know, some of you look, what? <laughs> see, see in, in amateur golf, there is a term called take a mulligan. Now, <laughs> take a mulligan. And, and, and what that means, all that really just means is take another opportunity without penalty. And I just heard the Spirit of God just say to me, 
Arthur, take a mulligan. Now, you've got to understand, the reason God spoke to me that way is because, uh, because of, I, I was a serious golfer. At that time, I was a serious golfer. And, uh, you know, to a serious golfer, the term take a mulligan is almost like a swear word. Amen. And I can, listen, I can remember the first time <laughs> that I had ever heard anybody do that or anybody even take a mulligan. I was over here in the United States many years ago and most probably about, I'm thinking about 18 years ago. And um, I was ministering in a church down in Florida and the pastor uh, was also a golfer. And so he invited me and said to me, hey, uh, are we going to go play some golf? I said, oh, man, you know, sure, I'd go play golf. And so I went back to the hotel I parked my car, you know, I went and, and, as a, and in South Africa, I was a serious golfer. I, I played league golf, you know, and I won a couple of uh, open championships in South Africa. And so, you know, uh, the, the local area open championships. So I, I was a serious golfer. So I got my golf clubs and I got dressed in really nice long uh, slacks or pants, you know, golf shirt. I mean, I was neat. I mean, I looked like a pro when I, when I got to the golf club. Well, here, here comes my friend, and I see him get out of the car, and he had, at that time, I wasn't sure if they were short longs or long shorts. And they had pockets all over them. And, and, and when he got out of the car, every one of the pockets had balls stuffed in them. And he had a, he had a shirt on without a collar, just a T-shirt on. So I look at him, I said, okay, I said, I'm going to see you. I'm going to be putting over there. I guess you're going to go change, you know. He said, he looked at me, he looked at me and he said, change? Why should I change? I've come to play golf. Well, that, I, that should have been the clue right there. And so uh, we, we started playing golf. And uh, on the second hole, he tees up and he, uh, he, <laughs> he hits the ball. He, listen, he didn't hit it out of bounds. He hit it in a pond that was out of bounds. <laughs> when he took his practice swing, I knew it was going to be a long day. And so when he hit this ball, it goes over there. So, you know, when he's finished hitting, you know, in, 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 in normal golf, you know, I'd step up because now it's my turn. So he kind of pushes me back, puts down another, puts another ball down. I said, what you doing? He says, I'm taking a mulligan. I said, you're doing what? He says, I'm, I'm taking a mulligan. I'm going I'm to do a do-over. I said, uh, okay. I said, you can have another shot, but you know, that just means you've now lane number three. No, he said, that's a mulligan. That's when I held on to my wallet. I thought, when a guy's going to do it, I'm going to hang on to my wallet. You see, listen, for a serious golfer, this whole term, an understanding of taking a mulligan is like when you're, for many serious Christians, when God says that, that he, you can have another opportunity. And God said to me, just take a mulligan, Arthur. Just, and I said, but God, I've got to fix this. He says, don't try to fix that. Just do it over. Hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. But here's the thing, though, is, you know, for many of us as serious Christians, we can't even fathom that idea that God will just say to you, listen, just, just scrap this off the table right now, make like this has never happened, and just start over again. 
man, I thought, so this, I, for my mind, that was like, what, God? Will you give me another opportunity? I, I can understand that God can maybe give me another opportunity, but without penalty? You know, surely there should be some kind of a penalty. Amen. And I tell you, I, I mean, you know, I, if, I would have given me a, pe- a penalty. You know, I, there, there's certain things I would have said. I said, Arthur, you'd sit, you come sit down over here. You can't go this way again because you messed up royally going there that last time. But God said, no, just take a mulligan. And my first, my first question was, God, if I mess it up again, he says, take another mulligan. Hallelujah. I see some of you guys are looking at me strange. Turn with me there to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. The writer of Hebrews gives us a great uh, perspective of Jesus, who is the high priest of our faith. You know, the whole of the Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 4, is all about the promise of God's rest, that God will give us Arrest and and you know that there's that there is a relationship with God where you can let your guard down, where you can relax. This is what the Lord said to me. He said, and I want you to enjoy the scenery. I don't know, that's why I didn't get it. Maybe that's what, that's what the rest is all about. He says, I want you to know that there's a place of relationship with God where you can relax. Man, I tell you, so many Christians are just so uptight. They just need to relax. You know, one day I was at a conference, and I tell you what, this conference was a minister's conference, and boy, I mean, those people were wound up. And as I got up, the Lord said to me, I have a word for these people. Give them the word. I said, I'm waiting for God to give me this profound word. And the Lord just said to me, tell them to relax. I said, I stood up. I said, uh, God gave me a word. And I said, it sounds strange. But God just says, relax. Chill out. And boy, it didn't go over very well. They didn't hear from God. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Now listen to Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable. Say it with me, unable. See, that's one of our biggest problems is that we don't think that God's able. Oh, I'm going to say that again. Our biggest problem is we don't think he's able. Able to do what? We don't think God is able to understand. We don't think he's able to understand. We don't think he's able to sympathize or to, uh, you know, uh, uh, have a shared feeling. That word sympathize, to have a shared feeling. Brothers and sisters, yes, this is the realize. That's why he is called Emmanuel. That's why he he was willing to come and become us, become you, and be and totally acquainted with everything about you so that there will never be a day that God will say and say, I don't understand. Listen, the reason Jesus came as a human being, he could have come any other manner, but he came as a human being. Why? Why? Well, number one, if he came as any other, in any other form, alien form, for instance, then none of us would be able to even relate to him, and we would know that he couldn't relate to us. 
But Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, he became so that he can truly understand who you are. He has the blueprints for your life. He knows what you're made of. You know, Psalm uh, 103 makes it very clear. He says, I know what you're made of. He says, you're made of dust. You're a dirt bag. I know. <laughs> Amen. Amen. God knows what you're made of. And he came because, listen, he understood something about you that you and I didn't understand, is that you were made to be compatible with God himself. Oh, hallelujah. There is only one thing, one, one creature upon this planet or in the universe that is compatible with God, and that's you. Hallelujah. And he came and he... 100% created you in the beginning because he knew that he had to be compatible with you because his whole purpose from the very beginning was to be Christ in you, the hope of glory. Oh, hallelujah. And so you see, when we come to this understanding, he understands. He has shared feelings uh, of our weaknesses and our affirmities and liabilities to assaults and temptation. He says, but one who has been tempted in every respect as we are, yet without sin. So we understand, therefore, that, 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 that the writer of Hebrews here is making this clear. We don't have a high priest. We don't have a God. We don't have an Emmanuel who can't relate to us. He relates to us 100%. Hallelujah. The, the next thing that we can look at here is that we have that in, in that passage of scripture that, that we just read there, that just means that God is a unique God and he's a compassionate God. He's unique. There's no other God. There's no other religion. There's no other God that is worshiped on this planet that is as unique as God is. Amen. Is this helping anybody here today? Amen. Turn with me to Micah. Micah. Man, I, I wish I had a lot of time. There's so many different ways we can go with this, with this teaching. But, but in Micah, you know, the prophet comes to the end of, of his writings and, and basically sums up a conclusion of, of how, how he sees God. And in Micah chapter eight, uh, 7 and verse 18, the uh, Living Bible says it this way. He says, where is another God like you? Micah, he comes, he says, you know what? When I come and I see all that I've seen and everything, God, that you've given me, he says, where is there another God like our God? There isn't. There is no other God. What does it make? It makes God unique, brother. You have a unique father, a unique God who is your father, and he is unique. And notice he says, who, and what makes him unique? Who pardons the sins of the survivors among his people. What makes God unique is that he pardons your sins. You cannot, notice he says, makes him, makes him unique. Why? You cannot stay angry with your people. <laughs> For you love to be merciful. God loves to be merciful. No mercy talks about God's willingness, God's power, God's passion, God's ability to treat you better and give you better than you deserve. And it says that, Micah says, you love to be merciful. 
Verse 19, he says, once again, you will have compassion on us. Once again, what is Micah saying? He's saying, again, God, over and over, God, once again, a a second chance, another opportunity. He says, you, again, will be compassionate upon us, another chance. You will tread our sins, that means your shortcomings, your failures, your sins, your inabilities, your weaknesses. He says, beneath your feet, you will throw them into the depths of the sea. You will bless us as you promised Jacob long ago. There's the restoration. You will bless us. Hallelujah. Man, I tell you something, when we, when we, when we grab a hold of this, you know, Mark chapter 1 and verse 40. Turn with me there. Mark chapter 1 and verse 40 is a wonderful uh, illustration of the compassion of God through demonstrated through Jesus. And, and, and in Mark chapter 1 and verse 40, it says, uh, talks about the leper. And there came a leper to him, beseeching him and kneeling down to him and saying to him, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. Now, you know, what it does not tell us here doesn't give us enough background about this leper. It doesn't tell us how long he was a leper. But let's just assume that it is possible that this man, being a leper, and you know what happened in those days if you were a leper, right? You were cast out of society. You lived separate from society. Let's just imagine if this man was married, in love with his wife, maybe had a couple of children, And it doesn't tell us how long he was like this, but let's say this has been a period of time in which he was cast out of society. He was not allowed to go home. He was not allowed to feel the embrace of a a loving wife. His children growing up in front of him, sitting on his lap, uh, you know, having that kind of relationship. He was cast out of society. He had to live with with those who were cast outside of the wall. And if they ever wanted to have any kind of contact, if if your family wanted to do anything for you, they would have to come to a central place and they would have to leave food for you or leave clothes for you or leave a message for you but they couldn't stay there and wait for you to come you had to they had to leave and then you could come and get that so there was never any contact you know I just imagine this this man coming to Jesus he 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 risked his life coming to Jesus because all he wanted was another opportunity at life. Just give me another opportunity. Jesus, if you could heal me, you could give me another opportunity at life. I can go back. I can have life again. And notice what the Bible says here. And Jesus moved with compassion. You know, the original language is powerful. If you, listen, if you're here today and you're thinking to yourself, I don't, I'm not sure if God is that willing to help me out, man. I have messed up so many times. I have, I have promised God so many times that I will not mess up again. And I have messed up so many times. And so, you know, I kind of deserve what I'm, what I'm experiencing or what I deserve what I get right now. Listen, to, I want you to understand. 
Jesus here shows us. He said, if you've seen me, you see the Father. And it says he was moved with, in original language, bowels of compassion. Now, the original language really talks, it's, it's graphic. Like a man moved by his bowel. Anybody have ever been moved by your bowel? That's that, I mean, that's the, the, the original language talks about that kind of a, a move, like, like a man would be moved by his bowels. See, I travel a lot like Brother Dave, and there's times I get off a plane, you know, and it's like, I can't wait. It's like, just get out of my way. I'm being moved right now. <laughs> and, and if you don't get out of my way, I'm going, Jesus was moved. It means that compassion is love in action. Jesus couldn't help himself. And the the next part says, and Jesus said, now you see, we read it and it says, Jesus was moved with compassion. Uh. (laughs) And Jesus said, be thou clean. Uh. No, actual fact, this was Jesus going, I will. In fact, it's a, it, it, it is, it is a, Double positive there. It's like, I will, I will, I will, I will. Don't you ever doubt it. You know, when we understand that when we know the love of God to bring restoration, to bring restoration to your destructions, this shows me that, listen, when God is involved in your life right now, brother, if you hear, if you're looking and you say, you know what, I've just, I don't know how I'm going to fix something. I just hear the Spirit of God saying, take a mulligan. And as you think, well, is, is God going to be involved in this? Yes, he's moved with compassion. He can't help himself. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16. Go there to verse 16. He says, let us then fearlessly and confidently and boldly draw near to the throne of grace, the throne of God's unmerited favor for us sinners, that we may receive mercy and and uh, uh, sorry mercy for our failures and find grace to help in good time for every need, appropriate help and well timed help coming just when we need it. Hallelujah, man, I tell you something. When you understand, he's saying, if you understand and know how much God loves you and what what it's taken to prove that love to you, as Romans chapter 5 says, he has demonstrated his love towards you in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. What is it talking about? While you were yet a sinner, while you wanted nothing to do with God, while you were happy in your destructions, God was moved with compassion. Hallelujah. When we understand that, then that means we can come to God. What is this? This is God's call for each and every one of us. This is God calling you and saying, take a mulligan. You know, that part of that verse says this. It says that we may receive mercy and find grace uh, to help in a time of need. When is your time of need? Your time of need is when you've messed up. 
Your time of need is when you're going through a destructive uh, cycle in your life and you're, 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 you're without hope and you don't know what to do and you, you've given up. That's the time. He says, you can come to God. Why? Because you know that he's there for you. And what I love about it, he says, you come to the throne of his grace, his unmerited favor. So that means there's not a time that you're going to come to the throne of God's grace that he's going to reach under the throne and bring out a baseball bat. <laughs> there's, there's only two things you're going to find that you, when you go to God's throne of grace is mercy and love in a time of need. Oh, and I teach you, turn with me to Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 42 and verse uh, 1 says, Sorry, I'm going to read out of the, the New Living Translation. He says, look at my servant, whom I strengthen. He is my chosen one, and I am pleased with him. I have put my spirit upon him, and he will reveal justice to the nations. Who do you, who's he talking about here? How many of you know? He's talking about Jesus. Now notice what he says. He says, he will be gentle. So when you come to God, she said to me, but Arthur, if I come to God, I've got some sensitive stuff, man. You might be here and you've got some stuff that nobody else knows about. You've never been able to share it with anybody else and most probably will never share it with anybody else because you look at it, and that's what we all do, is we look at our stuff and we look at our failures and we look at our inabilities and we think we are the worst that there is upon the planet. And so we are so ashamed and we live in shame. And you think to yourself, well, God, will God even do something about this? Listen, you can trust God today. You can trust your father today. Why? Listen to what, what the writer of uh, uh, Isaiah says. He will be gentle. He will not shout or raise his voice in public. You know what that reminded me of? It reminded me of an incident in my life when I was a, a, a very young age. I can't remember. I must have been around five or, five or six years old. And you know, as, uh, I don't know if you were like that, but, but certainly as a boy, me, I enjoyed playing with other kids. And so we were at a party. At, at a, it was like a, uh, a ladies get together with all of my mother's friends. Uh, from the neighborhood, and, and some of my, my aunts were there, and they were having, in South Africa, they were having this tea to get together, and they had tea and cake, you know, and, and you, you know what I'm talking about, right? And, uh, and I was playing outside with the other guys, the other kids, you know, but I needed to go to the bathroom. And, and so I was kind of like, I need to go to the bathroom, you know, but I didn't want to miss anything. So I kept on playing, and I kept on playing, I kept on playing. And I mean, after a while, I was doing the drive, you know. But the, the, the moment came that, that all of a sudden, I could not hold it again, and I just wet my pants. So now I can remember being all embarrassed, and I'm, I'm sneaking up, and my mom's standing in a circle of ladies, and she's got a cup of tea in her hand, and she's talking, and I'm pulling on her skirt. And so finally she's like, stop it. I said, mom. So finally she looked up and she, down at me and she said, what? And I said, I wet my pants. And, and this is what she did. And she didn't, you know, just, she was surprised. She said, you what? You wet your pants? 
no, mom, that's not what you need. <laughs> Amen. And only afterwards you realize. But what I'm saying is this, is that, listen, you can trust God. You can trust God with that which is, that is sensitive in your life. Why? Because he says, you know what? He's not going to lift his voice in public. He will not crush those who are weak or quench the smallest hope. A bruised reed will he not break. You know, you can come to God and maybe your life has, and life has bruised you. See, I am telling you, one of the things is that God knows, listen, God knows each and every one of us in this place is going to need another opportunity and you're going to need another opportunity and you're going to fail and you're going to need another opportunity. Now, you might be here today and maybe you have failed horribly. Maybe you have failed. You know, in, in a moral way failed. Maybe you failed in business. Maybe you failed in your marriage. Maybe you failed in your children. Maybe whatever it is today, I want you to know that the scripture tells us that we can come to God. We can put our past behind us because the gospel is never about your past. It's about your future. It's not where you start. It's where you end. See, there might be some of you here today and, and, and you're thinking to yourself, maybe uh, you've somehow had tragedy in your life. You know, we're, we're, we're in January uh, 2012, the beginning of the year, and some of us have had a tough time last year. Some of us have had some tragedies in our lives. I want to tell you, you can trust God. He will give you another opportunity. Hallelujah. If God is for you, who can be against you? Maybe you've left uh, or you felt like you've missed your opportunities. I tell you how many people I come and they say, you know what, I've just missed my opportunities. God has given me an opportunity. And, and so I've missed my opportunities. And we treat that as saying, now because I missed those opportunities, I'm kind of doomed to a mediocre life. <laughs> I want to just tell you, there's always another opportunity with God. There's always another opportunity. Some of you here today, and maybe you've heard the call of God on your life, and you've got, you know you're called, you know you're called to God's work, but you've put it off, and you've put it off, and you've put it off, and now you're at a place you think to yourself, well, I'm too old. You're never too old. The Bible says now. Say it now with me. Say now. Now is the day of salvation. When? Now. It's not now when you're still young. Now. You can be, you, you can, I mean, you know, we can go to all of the, the different people in the Bible, you know, and see that. Maybe you're here today and you think, well, I don't know if God can still use me. Let me just share this. And you've most probably heard this before. You know, you think that God can't use you? Let's just look at a couple of people God used in the Bible. Noah was drunk. Abraham was too old. Isaac was a daydreamer. Leah was ugly. <laughs> Joseph was abused. Moses had a stuttering problem. Gideon was afraid. Samson liked loose women. Rahab was a prostitute. Timothy 
was too young. David was an adulterer and a murderer. Elijah was suicidal. Isaiah preached naked. (laughs) Jonah ran from God. Naomi was a widow. Job went bankrupt. John the Baptist ate bugs. (laughs) Peter denied Christ. The disciples slept while they were supposed to be praying. Martha worried all the time. Mary Magdalene was a prostitute. The Samaritan woman was divorced. Zacchaeus was too small. Paul was too religious. Timothy had an ulcer. Here's the worst one. Lazarus was dead. (laughs) Amen. Come on now. Listen, I'm telling you something. You, if you're here today, we've got a couple of minutes left right now. If you're here today and you know that God is speaking to you, maybe you're here and you, you've messed up. Maybe you've, you've left things for too long. Maybe whatever. And you, and you think, well, I need another opportunity. Is anybody like that here? Who, wants, who says, you know, I need another opportunity? Well, there's three of us and that's good. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. Let's all just stand right now. Let's all stand. Thank you, Jesus. You see, there might only be a few hands that have gone up. But those of you that didn't put up your hands, I can guarantee you it won't be long and you're going to need another opportunity. And I want you to understand. I want you to know today. When you understand And when you will allow that through the the New Testament, through the finished work of Jesus, for God to reveal his passion, compassion, and love for you, that there will never come a time in your life that you have messed up so bad that God can't or won't give you another opportunity. Now, I know that a lot of people say, oh, well, Arthur, if that's the way you preach, man, people are just going to do whatever you want to. I mean, how many of you... Right now, after hearing this message, can't wait to leave here so that you can go mess up royally. (laughs) Amen. Just go mess it up. Come on. I tell you what, listen. This is not a license to sin or a license to go and mess up. But if you do and when you do, you know. If God be for me, who can be against me? What can be against me? Hallelujah. So let's just lift our hands to the Lord and say, Heavenly Father, I thank you that you will give me and that you have given me another opportunity at my life, at my ministry, at my business, at my marriage, my relationships, my finances. And Father, thank you It comes without penalty. I thank you, Jesus. You are my redeemer. And that you restore my destructions. I give it to you today. Hallelujah. Thank you that you restore me, Lord. Hallelujah. Now, where you are, as you are standing right now, whatever it is that you need another opportunity for, 
just where you are right now, just give it to God. Just speak it out to him. Just give it to him. And just let it go and tee up that next tee ball and let this today be the beginning of the rest of your life. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a big hand. Praise the Lord. It's awesome. I'm sure you know this, but I just want to reinforce, I believe that's a word from God for a lot of people here. And you know what? You need to humble yourself and receive it. God is offering it, extending it, but it depends on how you receive. Amen. Well, let's take a 30-minute break. Is that right? 30-minute break. We got uh, coffee and refreshments and things back here. We'll be back in here at 1030. And are you going to start the deal with another giveaway? So if you aren't here at 1030, you missed the prize. So make sure you're back at 1030. You're dismissed.